Presented by the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network. Good morning, everyone. I'm Playbook co-author Ryan Lizza. It's Thursday, February 8th, and here's what's driving the day. Republican senators meet at 9.30 this morning to chart their path forward on the long-stalled supplemental. Chuck Schumer sent everyone home last night without a vote on the now pared-down bill to, in Schumer's words, give our Republican colleagues the night to figure themselves out. President Joe Biden will deliver his customary annual remarks to House Democrats this afternoon at their policy retreat in Northern Virginia. These speeches, delivered on camera, tend to be rah-rah, low-news-value affairs, but the questions that follow from members when the cameras are turned off can be quite revealing, so we'll be curious in particular if Biden gets pressed on his next steps in the Middle East. If all that isn't enough, at 10 a.m. this morning, the Supreme Court will hear oral arguments in Trump versus Anderson, the Colorado case that will decide whether the former president is allowed on the ballot this year. Joining me now to talk about that historic case is legal editor James Ramoser. Good morning, James. Morning, Ryan. How's it going? Very well. Big day today. I know you're going to be helming or editing a live blog starting at 9 a.m. So listeners, please check that out. We'll have a a lot of the best legal writers and editors at Politico contributing to that. And Josh Gerstein will be in the courtroom itself. Is uh, is Josh allowed to uh, file from the court or, or they're still using 19th century rules over there? 19th century rules for the most part. So uh, he's not allowed to bring anything but pen and paper into the courtroom itself. All right. Let's start with what this case is. There's a lot of legal cases. It's uh, sometimes very confusing to keep them all straight. This is the case known as Trump versus Anderson, started uh, in Colorado and concerns a challenge based on the 14th Amendment to whether Donald Trump is eligible to be on the ballot. Give us some of the the background of the case, James. This is an extremely ambitious challenge brought by a group of voters in Colorado, and there are similar challenges pending throughout the country. And what these challengers argue is that Trump is ineligible to serve again as president under the Constitution's insurrection clause. And that's found in Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And it's a 109-word clause that has very rarely ever been interpreted by the Supreme Court, very rarely been invoked. But the challengers are trying to invoke it here with regard to Trump. And what they argue is that Trump engaged in an insurrection on January 6th by inciting the violence at the Capitol. And under this 14th Amendment insurrection clause, people who have taken an oath to support the Constitution, and then later engage in an insurrection, are disqualified from holding future office. And so the theory here is that Trump did take an oath to support the Constitution when he was sworn in as president, and then he later engaged in that insurrection on January 6th. And so the argument goes, and a lot of legal scholars on both the left and the right, they say as a legal matter, it's a very strong argument that under the plain text of that 14th Amendment provision, Trump is ineligible to serve as president and should be kicked off the ballot. James, the Supreme Court is going to play an outsized role in this election um, because they're going to be weighing in on so many of these Trump-related cases. This is the, the first time in 2024 where we're going to get to hear from them and 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 get just an inkling of what they're thinking about uh, Trump. What will you be listening for today when when you hear oral arguments? 
Well, this is the first time that we're going to hear the justices grapple with the mostly untested issues in this case. And, and, and like I said before, it is somewhat of an ambitious challenge. And, and the reason is that it's there's there's something about the case that strikes many people as anti-democratic. Because, of course, Trump is cruising through the Republican nomination, and many people just can't believe that any Supreme Court, let alone this Supreme Court, which is dominated by conservatives, including, including three of Trump's own appointees, would take such a drastic step as removing the leading major party candidate from the ballot and saying that he cannot run a general election. So the conventional wisdom is that Trump is almost certainly going to win this case one way or another. So what I'll be watching, first and foremost, is whether that seems true, you know, two hours, three hours in to the argument today. And I think that if, you know, we're, we're going to know a lot by hearing questions from people like John, John Roberts and Brett Kavanaugh. And if it's very clear that the conservative majority is very hostile to this challenge, and that may become clear in their questions, then I think the conventional wisdom will probably be assumed to be right, that Trump is going to win this case, he's going to be left to remain on the ballot and run this year. But I think it's also possible that um, we might hear some unexpected openness from people like Roberts, from people like Kavanaugh, from people like Amy Coney Barrett, even from people like Neil, Neil Gorsuch, who is a conservative, but does have a bit of a maverick streak. One question on the on their backgrounds. This is such a black hole when it comes to any Supreme Court op opinions. Is there anything in the the histories of of the justices that that uh, experts are pointing to, where they say, "Aha, you know, so and so wrote about this," uh, you know, back uh, whenever um, this could signal he's open to uh, kicking Trump off the ballot. Is there any anything like that that people are seizing on? You know, the justices will be basically starting from scratch. None of them have ever written or spoken publicly, as far as I'm aware. Now, there is this one very short opinion that Neil Gorsuch wrote when he was a lower court judge before he came to the Supreme Court involving the authority of states to prevent a candidate from appearing on the ballot if that candidate is not qualified to hold office. Um, so some people are trying to make something of that, the fact that Gorsuch has written very briefly on that topic, but I think it's pretty ancillary to how Gorsuch or any of the other justices will be thinking about this particular case. Got it. And then finally, James, you know, the word that I keep hearing with respect to this case is off-ramps, that these justices don't want to issue an opinion that upends uh, the presidential election for obvious political reasons. So everyone's speculating about how they may find some technicality to get rid of this case. What are the off-ramps you'll be looking to see if they're uh, exploring today when they ask questions? Yeah, there are a number of sort of subdivided issues in this case that provide the Supreme Court certain off-rams if they want. So there are ways that the Supreme Court could allow Trump to remain on the ballot without formally declaring that he's not an insurrectionist um, or giving him some kind of blanket you know, amnesty for what happened on January 6th. The issue with that is that most of those off-rams are highly technical. They depend on 
highly disputed interpretations of some key phrases in the amendment, such as whether the provision applies at all to the office of the presidency. And I think a lot of these off-ramps will be somewhat distasteful, frankly, to the court's textualists and originalists. And so I'll be watching, well, I won't be watching because there's no video at the Supreme Court, but I will be listening to the live audio to hear you know, how seriously the justices take some of these hyper-semantic and hyper-technical readings of the insurrection clause. And indeed, um, Trump's leading argument is actually one of those very hyper-technical readings. And if they choose that, they might be able to let him off the hook. But um, but again, I think there are serious problems with, with some of these interpretations. James, thank you very much for breaking that down. Happy to be here. And for your schedule today, the Senate is in, the House is out, and Biden is in Leesburg, Virginia. I'm Ryan Lizza. Thanks for listening. Think you can't make time? Think again. Congress, access to innovation and early detection makes time for cancer patients and their families. Multi-cancer early detection tests have the potential to screen for dozens of cancers with a simple blood test. The American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network urges Congress to pass H.R. 2407 and S-2085 to create a pathway to access in Medicare once FDA approved and clinical benefit is shown. Visit fightcancer.org.